It is Friday, January 6th, 9.27 a.m., 2023. I hope everybody had a great New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Um, I went home to see my family. I actually hate New Year's Eve. I hate the years changing in general because I think about it too hard and I'm like, right now, like I'm living in 2022 and then like after tomorrow, I could never, ever, ever live in 2022 again because it'll be 2023 and like you can't go back in time like I get the fact that like yes it's just another day but when I think about it too hard I hate it last year I don't think I did anything this year it was like one of the few times I'm home to be with my uh, childhood friends like Megan and Elise so I wanted to do something and I went to this very very odd Halloween party in Southie in Boston if you know where that is it was literally like five 30 year old roommates like still acting like they were frat bros and it was just weird not that like 30s old but like like I still feel like I, I need to call you mister if you're 30 kind of the one thing I actually do like about New Year's though is that I do allow myself to kind of reset and get re-inspired for what I want to accomplish so Last year, I made two mega slay vision boards. They're in the background of like all my TikToks, actually. But um, I'm excited because I get to create two new ones. I haven't done it yet just because like I was kind of busy for the holidays. But that is my weekend activity. And it's very fun to do. I use like Procreate. I get like pictures from Pinterest and then use my little Apple pen. It's very fun. And it works. I made a TikTok about showing what worked for my vision board. And I am like kind of floored at what came true. And one of the things on there was a podcast. I have like a little Spotify logo and a microphone. And I totally forgot that like I kind of wanted to do that. And I didn't even like, I didn't start this podcast just to like check something off a to-do list. Like I just like felt like inspired enough to be like, I want to do this. Another thing about this podcast though is I feel like this is my safe space. Like TikTok and I guess like reels on Instagram, it's kind of such a great outreach where you don't really know who you're reaching or who's viewing your video. So you do get a lot of hate comments and it can be kind of a, a toxic cycle to be reading these comments and being perceived, hence the topic of this video. But if you're listening to this podcast, this is not like coming up to you on an algorithm-based for you page or suggestions page. You're listening to this podcast because you found me through another platform and you then have taken the time to um, give me a chance to get to know me and want to listen to what I have to say, which like makes my heart burst, not to sound cheesy. So the people that are here, I feel like I'm safe with you guys. Another one of my realizations that I'm a little afraid to admit or say out loud is I kind of want to transition off of TikTok, which I don't like really mean like I will always use TikTok and I love TikTok, but it is a very toxic app for me. I get way too caught up in it. I get caught up in the numbers. The algorithm is so unreliable. And like I said, the outreach when you do go viral kind of creates a lot of like kickback because of all these random people you're reaching and the nasty shit they want to say. So that's one of the reasons why I mentioned I do want to put more effort into into this podcast. But 
I started on YouTube. I don't know if you personally listening to this knew that, but every now and then I do get comments like, oh my God, wait, you're that girl from YouTube I used to watch back in the day. And I kind of quit going into college just just because it was so hard to keep up with just because it was so hard to keep up with in a dorm room that you shared with like two to three other people but I have to like think back as to why I even got into social media to begin with and it was through YouTube but it was also just for the fact that I I love video I love film I went to school for film and I think I feel like I have more creative freedom and control and can kind of tap into feeling more fulfilled by creating long form, perhaps more cinematic or personable video content on a platform like YouTube. Where TikTok, it's very brief and I feel like I am grasping at any chance to grab your attention. And I think my TikTok has grown into more of a, a spot where I am like educating people on like like a personal fashion journey, hacks or how I style outfits which I do love and I have passion for that. But I think it is just one sliver of me, which is why sometimes it feels like suffocating or restraining. I also literally live in New York City and only content regarding my outfits or my clothes do well on TikTok. So I can't even show you guys like my my cool life. Okay, I don't want to say cool life in New York City because it's really not that cool. But I think New York City is really cool and I want to show more of it. And I think if I turned more to like a vlogging style, like bringing a camera places and creating vlogs on YouTube, I can show that aspect of me more. So I guess I'm kind of thinking of these different platforms as different facets or sides of myself where like Instagram is very current and like what I'm thinking throughout the day and like kind of a portfolio of outfits I've worn the past year. TikTok is more of like, come along with me for the journey of finding styling and learning about fashion and then YouTube is more of like my personality my day-to-day and what it's like to live my life at least that's what I'm hoping for and I feel like it will feel less overwhelming for me to feel like I need to show myself all the time every aspect on myself every aspect of myself on every single platform and just kind of section it off into the different platforms because the different platforms are have different strengths for different things and as much as I love to be a creator on TikTok it's so hard to go on TikTok and like strictly only create and not consume where on YouTube like it's more intentional for you to consume content because like you have to go find it and click on it you're not just like you're not just like having it play in front of you immediately anyways that was a long side quest note of my mindset going into this year for my kind of creative strategy I guess I know you didn't ask but I just got tangled up in that okay we're going to talk about being perceived and an aspect of that is shown through social media and all these different platforms I also recently started reading the book The Defining Decade by Meg Jay and I've like been a little bit in a reading rut where I haven't been super regular, but I just started reading this book like two days ago and I'm like already a hundred pages in because it's very captivating and she uses a lot of personal experiences with her clients, which I appreciate because it's very relatable. But the chapter that I was reading this morning was about how she saw the change firsthand 
when Facebook started coming out and realizing the increase in depression and comparison in her clients when Facebook like started to blow up and become a place where people were seeing people's vacations, bodies, relationships, assets, all that kind of stuff. So for me, that was very relatable and eye-opening as somebody who's kind of on both sides of it as a consumer and a creator. But what she says is very interesting. You should read that book. It will kind of bring you back down to earth and make you feel better about just being a 20-something in general. A lot of people are afraid of being perceived, but that is essentially what our world is entirely based off of these days. Everyone is spending hours on their phone. A huge chunk of the reality of a person's day is by consuming content on their phone, making assumptions, making judgments about other people and how those other people change their views about themselves, which I think is a huge reason why a lot of people opt out for posting on social media these days, but it's hard to not consume because so much of our world is focused around that. And being a creator, that is like literally my job is to be perceived in small, small snippets and just be okay with whatever assumption or judgment the person on the receiving end is making about me. It feels like a little bit of a sacrifice of control, but at the end of the day, whether I was posting on social media or I had a one-off encounter with the barista at the coffee shop, it's still a small snippet of who I am and somebody can make a judgment on it. So if you're somebody that is thinking about social media but afraid of being perceived just think of it as a quick passing by with somebody even in reality that could be making a judgment but like that's just life people are going to perceive you I think where we get a little tricky is where you know if I had a one-off encounter with a barista who made a judgment about me and maybe that wasn't a positive judgment he probably wouldn't say something to my face like you're ugly and your bangs are stupid anyways Whereas on TikTok, if I said something that somebody didn't like and they created a judgment or assumption about me, they would feel more inclined or safer behind a keyboard to leave me a comment like, you're ugly and your bangs are stupid. Obviously, ignorance is bliss in that situation. You can't do, you can't stop anyone from perceiving you to begin with. So that's just the way of the world. Aside from like real time social media or being perceived in the current day or even like if you are creating online you you have control over what you're putting out to be perceived as where what I think really trips me up and throws me down a rabbit hole is when people that you haven't seen in years or like only have one memory of you how that one perception or one encounter with you is like their entire experience and entire curation of who you are as a person in their head. Or you could think of it from the reverse side. Somebody that is so close to you, that has so much information and data just about you from being so close to you while growing up, that their perception of you is so vast. And maybe they have so much data that they create so many individual judgments that they're kind of missing a truly accurate depiction of you as a whole person. And then you have somebody like yourself 
who can never escape being with yourself. And I think it's almost like a, a paradox of like, because you can never escape from yourself, it's hard to know what's solely a perception that you have of yourself that lives inside your head versus what is actually seen or comes off to other people. But back to the people that kind of hold an old version or old perception of somebody you once were. For me, I often think of the people that were perceiving me in in high school because a lot of who I was in high school was documented on YouTube. And when I watch those videos, I am like shedding a layer of my skin by like shrinking down in my chair and cringing. Like I can't even look at myself like the way I act is insufferable to me personally. And to think people at my high school during that time were watching those videos and perceiving me. And I don't even blame them for any off-putting perceptions I was giving off from those videos. But anyways, these people that are holding this old perception of you, like obviously I have grown since those YouTube days and I have perhaps mellowed out matured or whatnot but maybe they don't know that because they haven't seen me or perceived me since high school so that one memory or snippet or overall perception of me as a person that they had in high school that simply will not exist again and if they're holding on to something so past of me and maybe they meet me now and are unable to give that up that is maybe their only experience or that they're refusing to live in the current reality they're refusing the current reality and they're living in the past because maybe that is more maybe that is more comfortable or fitting to them to have me in a certain box that they used to perceive me as lesser than or immature because they don't want to accept that maybe I have matured or I am successful now my growth or maybe 180 of who I am as a person perhaps threatened an aspect of their own identity because maybe they haven't changed in the time of high school to college so they feel like they're behind or something and then they see my change and they refuse to accept it because maybe they think hey I haven't changed in this much time so like you're not allowed to change either so I refuse to accept that you are any different now than you were maybe in high school. And at the end of the day, that's a reflection of them and not you. And you can only control your own reality. So it's about just having the awareness and realizing that people's perceptions of you are just really not your problem. Even when you are conscious of being perceived and you kind of put your best foot forward in the way of being like, okay, I know this is like a first impression or like people are really going to be paying attention to me. So like I want to present myself as the best version of myself you can still only control so much of how you are being perceived even if you are like this nicest version of yourself i'm gonna use a little metaphor here and it's gonna sound cheesy but maybe you'll understand better let's say you want to show up with flowers because that's a a great act of you know welcoming showing niceness thoughtfulness whatever but the people that you're showing up to give daisies to are actually allergic or hate daisies or maybe that's like a a sign of death in their culture or something it's the same thing as like maybe you feel like you're putting your best personality forward but they're just not receptive or conditioned to like that type of personality that you have and that's matter of factly how this world works not everybody is a puzzle piece 
as much as it is tough being perceived online, I am signing myself up for that. But the only real perception that matters, and honestly the one that is toughest to get a hold of and wrangle, is the one of yourself. And it's the hardest because you're not getting snippets and you're not sewing this quilt together of who somebody is with little bits and pieces of what they're showing you. You're a full quilt and you kind of have to deconstruct your personal quilt and examine each individual building block square to see what you're built up of. And, you know, maybe as you grow, you want to switch out some of these old quilt patches with new ones. And maybe the new ones don't really match the pattern anymore or the old ones have been so worn through. And that's okay. It's a normal process to kind of go through that. And it is not easy. And I think it's okay to be ever-changing. Like, I don't think your quilt is ever going to be fully finished. But with that being said, I think it's important to kind of look at other people the same way that you look at yourself as somebody who's ever-changing and kind of being open-minded and not creating hard-hitting, cased-closed judgments. Just be open-minded and receptive to maybe that person made one bad statement, but they are truly a good person deep down. And I think you will end up being happier that way if you just kind of give people this optimistic point of view, are more open-minded and not creating harsh judgments towards others because I think it will untrain your mind of creating those harsh judgments of other people. Like if you're undoing that, that action of harshly judging other people, you will then in turn stop judging yourself so harshly. So at the end of the day, it's a win-win for everybody. You stop judging other people, kind of let your perception be forever flowing and perhaps malleable, and then you may have a better perception of yourself. Another thing that happens when people are perceiving you is they often will create statements about you that you become surprised to hear. For example, let's say you start living with somebody new, so obviously they have a whole new perception of you, and they make a comment like, well, I mean, yes, you know, that's just because you're high strung. And then you stop in your tracks and you're like, what? High str- what the? High strung? That's like maybe something you've never gathered or perceived about yourself from an inward perception. But whether true or not, moments like that are only true for yourself if you agree to what the person is saying. If somebody says, Sienna, you're high strung, and I say, in my head, oh my god, I guess I am, and I agree to that, I'm essentially creating a self-fulfilling prophecy and adding that to my list of qualities I think about myself. If I don't think that, if I don't think whatever statement they said is true, I'm not going to add that to my repertoire of characteristics that I think about myself. But if I did, then maybe it would be so internalized that when describing myself in the future, I would secondhand, secondhandly describe myself as high strung, even if that was never my original thought. I'm on, I'm almost like being a vehicle for other people's perceptions because I'm just taking whatever their singular perception is to be true. 
I'm having a difficult time describing this, but a book that encapsulates this, I, I always fuck up that word. A book that encapsulates this perfectly is The Four Agreements. One of the chapters is basically like people telling you things about yourself are basically curses if you agree to it because you have the power in letting them happen or accepting them. Like no one can insult you or degrade you unless there's a part of you that that resonates with. Wait, I'm actually going to go get this book to try to read this to you better because I'm having trouble describing this. Okay, here we got it. Um, a Toltec wisdom book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. There are four agreements. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. So I'm going to be reading from the second agreement. Don't take anything personally. And this starts on page 47 if you care to read this book. Whatever happens around you, don't take it personally. Using an earlier example, if I see you on the street and I said, hey, you are so stupid without knowing you, it's not about you, it's about me. If you take it personally, then perhaps you believe you are stupid. Maybe you think to yourself, how does he know? Is he a clairvoyant? Can anybody see how stupid I am? You take it personally because you agree with whatever was said. As soon as you agree, the poison goes through you and you are trapped in the dream of hell. What causes you to be trapped is what we call personal importance. Personal importance, or taking anything personally, is the maximum expression of selfishness because we make the assumption that everything is about me. During the period of our education, our domestication, we learn to take everything personally. We think we are responsible for everything. Me, me, me. Always me. Nothing other people do is because of you. It is because of themselves. All people live in their own dream in their own mind. They are in a completely different world from the one we live in. When we take something personally, we make the assumption that they know what is in our world, and we try to impose our world on their world. Even when a situation seems so personal, even if others insult you directly, it has nothing to do with you. What they say, what they do, and the opinions they give are according to the agreements they have in their own minds. Their importance of you comes from all the programming they received during domestication. If someone gives you an opinion and says, hey, you look so fat, don't take it personally. Because the truth is that this person is dealing with his or own feelings or beliefs and opinions. That person tried to send poison to you and if you take it personally, then you will take that poison and it becomes yours. Taking things personally makes you easy prey for these predators, the black magicians. They can hook you easily with one little opinion and they feed you whatever poison they want. And because you take it personally, you eat it up. This is an extremely important lesson for those that are putting themselves on social media because if you are and if you've had things go viral if you're putting things out to strangers in the world you will receive hate comments and it is always a reflection of who these people are not about you and although I've had the opportunity to learn stuff like this through books and I have the awareness that this is true that this is more about other people than me it still is hard to not let it affect you. I can be aware, but I have to build up my awareness and strength so much that I'm not letting it like penetrate deep under my skin. So that is a journey that I am still going on and trying to learn not to take anything personally. And I think literally the first step is just to bring awareness to the moment that I am taking something personally in, like I am 
reading a mean comment about myself and instead of subconsciously or mindlessly going through that on my phone just kind of snap out of it for a second and be like hey sienna (laughs) that was cringe this is a reflection of them and not you you are not going to take this personally now close out your phone bringing this awareness gives the power back to you because right now i feel i feel like we are at the whim of doom scrolling technology social media ads everything like we are being subconsciously and mind controlled by the algorithms on our phones So if you bring awareness, you can snap out of it and kind of protect your peace a little more. But it's obviously, obviously easier said than done. So basically, don't let other people's one-off perceptions or projections curate or curse your self-image. Okay, now that I've rambled long enough about just talking about perception in and of itself, I put a question box up on my Instagram and asked you guys assumptions about me because that's basically I'm giving you a free opportunity to let me know your perceptions of me. So I'm here to either add insight or confirm or deny the assumptions that have previously been made about me. Some of these are a little more surface level and others are a little deeper, but we can go through any which ones that pique my interest here. Um, Firstly, I come off as a Pisces. I'm actually not a Pisces. I am a a Taurus, a Virgo rising, and a Scorpio moon. I don't know much about astrology, but I guess I'm a double earth sign. You're a silly little gal. <laughs> what? I mean, I guess, yeah. Um, that resonates with me a little bit, so I will agree that. You cursed me. Um, your family has money and I got this one three times, which is interesting because I don't really show much, like I don't even think any of y'all know what my family looks like or how many people are in my family or anything. When I started posting on social media and like gained a following, I was living by myself and I still am living by myself. So I, I find it interesting that this has become an assumption. But maybe it is being perceived that perhaps I have the ability to pursue this career in influencing or content creation because my family has money. So if that's the angle you're coming from, perhaps more under, perhaps more understandable. Um, but I will be honest, my dad is an architect and my mom is a teacher. I don't rely on my family financially anymore i think the only thing they pay for is my phone bill just because it's like a family plan and then obviously i'm on their insurance until i'm 26 but every other aspect of my life i pay for unfortunately um however i did grow up very very privileged and i still am very privileged i will always be very privileged um my parents made great effort like financially when they were young to be able to raise us in a town where the education was impeccable, which um, they were successful in doing, but I definitely was not as uh, wealthy as the other kids in my town. Like, I remember being amongst the social groups, being like the last to have a phone, never getting to shop at Hollister or Abercrombie, like literally barely 
being able to shop at like Aeropostale. So comparatively to others, I was not as well off as them, but in a more worldly sense, I still was very, very privileged and very, very well off. Just the fact that my parents were able to raise us in this town. But perhaps growing up, I was not nearly as aware about that because comparatively to the other kids, I was not up to their level. Oh, also, I remember growing up, too, I didn't have cable until like third grade, which I felt like so behind everybody. Like people were talking about that so raven and everything. And I was like, I have no like. I barely was able to watch Hannah Montana because I was so late to the the pop culture train. But my dad is very, very smart with money and has literally, like, my parents work so hard, such long hours. Obviously, teachers don't get paid that well, but um, I don't know. I admire my parents a lot, and part of the reason why I hope to find so much success is to, like, relieve them of working so hard like I just want them to relax and like enjoy the fruits of their labor because I feel like they sacrificed I'm gonna get emotional I feel like they sacrificed so much for me growing up like my dad wanted me to be such a great softball player that he sacrificed his entire weekend the two days that you get off from working like 10 hours he sacrificed to wake up at 5 a.m with me and drive me to like a different state to play at a tournament all day just because he wanted to like enrich my life like I don't know but I think like we're probably middle class perhaps perhaps upper middle class in relation to some areas but I don't think it's um as much as what maybe you're perceiving it to be so I think the fact that you know I was able to come home from college and live with my parents for a year before I started supporting myself obviously a privilege and a result of my parents having you know space for me but since then I have been supporting myself independently from like I guess like two years now I'm 24 so I guess I started supporting myself at 22 but everything my family has done for me has not gone unnoticed like I appreciate my family so much and everything they've done for me and I hope to give my future kids everything and more that I was able to have. Being in the position I was, being brought into this world, I was a couple steps up on the ladder, which I realize, but I also think that, you know, I could I could be living at my parents' house still. So I do have the motivation and drive to be independent and on my own um, outside from what my family provides me. Okay, next. From a guy's POV, I assumed you were hard to approach. Okay, this is an interesting one because, I mean, I don't go out that often, but when I do, I do not get approached. And I usually go out with Kendall here in New York City, but, like, no one comes and talks to us. And I don't think we're ugly. If I'm with Kendall for sure a showstopper so if it's not me we should be drawn over someone through her or something but no it's all it's always an independent venture so I don't know maybe that's true that we're hard to approach but I feel like 
we're either just like chit-chatting or like I'm dancing and Kendall's vibing or something. I don't think I, I give off like a RBF or anything. But I also don't go out too, too much. I don't know. I also will never approach somebody. They can approach me. And when the off chance that Kendall and I do get approached, it's we're like, are you kidding? Out of all the people in this place, like you, like one time it was like some 70 year old sugar daddy. So with all the pickings, why that, you know? And when I tell people this, I get a mix of reactions. Like I was telling one of my friends the other day, I was like, yeah, no one comes up to Kendall and I. And he was like, no way. You guys are lying. And I was like, why would we lie about that? Yeah, I guess that's the end of the story. (laughs) He just didn't believe it. I don't know. Because he thinks that he was like, nah, girls get hit on all the time. And I was like, well, not us. So either we're ugly or things that were like not ugly. So like, I don't get it. Whatever. Moving on. You deaf smell good. This is an astounding compliment, and I would certainly hope so. Um, I know some people, like, go crazy with their, like, scent palette. Um, I do a classic deodorant. I feel like I mostly smell, like, my shampoo and conditioner, Um, but I do have a perfume that I'll put on if I leave the house. If I don't leave the house, I'm not going to waste it, but it's it's the, like, the white one. Oh, it's... uh, I could get up and look, but I don't want to. Like Miel de Lait or something from Urban Outfitters. I think it's like milk and honey. But it's a very like comforting, neutral scent. And I like to smell like that. So if you want to know what I smell like, go to your local Urban Outfitters. Pick the little like white, opaque bottle that says something about Miel de Lait and give it a good whiff. And then get back to me. This next one. You have an attitude when you first meet people. Bruh. Well, I guess I'm proving you right by that reaction, but no. If I'm meeting strangers, I'm definitely perhaps more timid, perhaps more timid and a more reserved version of myself. I would say like depending on the social situation, if I feel comfortable, I will come off as more extroverted, but if I'm not feeling super comfortable or if my energy levels are down, I'm going to be a little more like soft-spoken or um, unable or unwilling to make social efforts, I guess. But I do have an edge to me if I'm like not enjoying who I'm talking to. And I'll give you an example when this is true. Bringing it back to the beginning of this episode, New Year's Eve, I was at this party We were unfortunately literally the first people there. I'm talking like they're watching TV. We knocked on the door and they were like, hey guys, party hasn't started yet. And we were like, what the fuck? We can come back later. And they were like, no, no, come in. We were like, shit. So we go in. We're sitting around their uh, um, bar stools at their counter. Um, We find out that they're like 30 plus roommates. Okay. Five of them. Frat boy city. And we go around saying names, very cringe and uncomfortable. I was not enjoying this. So one of the guys whip out McGillicuddy's from his fridge. He's like, you want a shot? And one of my friends was like, sure. And I was like, McGill, you're McGillicuddy's and we're what, 30? I was like, he offered it to me and I was like, no, I'm good. Kind of like that because I was extremely uncomfortable and I was also like a little off put of this dynamic they had and that I was being offered mouthwash and his response was 
sounds like you need it. You seem a little uptight. And I met him with attitude for the rest of the night because what the fuck? He came up to me later too and was like, you look really uncomfortable as I was laying on the couch. And I was like, I don't know. I think um, laying on the couch would suggest I am more than comfortable. I would, I would say that's attitude because I was not enjoying him. And he was like, well, I was being sarcastic. And I was like, um, I don't think you're very good at it because I kind of missed that notion. And then he started arguing with me and was like, well, the fact that you like didn't get it actually means that I'm like really good at sarcasm. And I was like, whatever, bro, get out of my face. So in like a normal social setting, a professional setting, a you just strike up a conversation with me on the street and you're like nice and normal. I'm going to be nice back. But if you call me uptight, I will meet you with an attitude. I also think it determines like who I'm around like. I was with my two besties. I'm not worried about their perceptions of me. They know who I really am. And if you're getting like hounded by some washed up 30 year old frat bro, it's only expected to be met with some attitude. Okay. You're scared of physical non-platonic connections. I would say that is partially correct because sometimes I think of like missing the fact of like having a boyfriend and then I think of like the pain or like I'm hearing secondhand pain that my friends are going through with boys of like wondering when you're gonna hang out next or like you're they're being kind of shady or just like seeing their emotional reactions from boyfriends and I'm like thank fucking god I'm not dealing with that and I also then can sometimes tap into the emotions of remembering what it was like to go through a heartbreak and remembering how paralyzing that was and it just is like completely deterring me from wanting to risk feeling like that again I also have not found anyone worth risking that for yet and when I do come across somebody that I'm into that much then like I probably will risk it again that's that's how it works love is a gamble um you had a horse girl slash east coast era fun fact about me i actually am afraid of horses i i don't like how they look they look like mutant to me or something like i get that they're supposed to be majestic but they kind of spook me so i've never been a horse girl but i did grow up on the east coast i still live on the east coast so i am in my east coast era okay next one is that you're cute stubborn fashionable and shy I think that pretty much hit the nail on the head. As a Taurus, I am stubborn. Over the years, I've tried to um, reject some stubborn traits I've had because I know that's not very becoming. So I think as I've matured, I've resisted some of my previous stubborn tendencies. But I do think I'm definitely stubborn in the way of like making things happen or feeling determined to make something go a certain way or something uh I feel like I'm cute more than hot I feel like I don't know I feel like I don't know would you rather be cute or hot but like sometimes it's like a little demeaning to be called cute over time especially when like you're not trying to be cute but it's a compliment I'll take it fashionable I would hope so and shy I think I was definitely way more shy middle school high school 
Um, college has started opening up. I think I'm a little more confident now in social situations, but I do think I have some shy tendencies. You love going to art exhibitions. Um, unfortunately, false. Um, I liked going to the Met. <laughs> I think, like, I don't know. I want to be a little more, like, stoic and, like, appreciative of, like, a good renaissance painting or something but i can't quite get there like i will go for the vibes but i'm not going to be like sitting and observing the art and it's like wow these brush strokes are exuberant i don't even know what exuberant means like i'm not i'm not like that but for the vibes sure i'm new to your account but i'm guessing you're an ambi ambi I guess you're I'm guessing fuck I'm guessing you're an ambivert yes I think that most accurately describes me and I think I've always kind of felt this way like I'll I'll go through phases of being more extroverted and phases of being more introverted and I have found in my introverted phases I'm I'm turning inwards and I'm getting clear again on what I want kind of goals what I'm working towards kind of being quiet and creative and then my more extroverted phases are when I'm acting on a a goal or a dream or putting myself out there again to to grow and those waves kind of come by years like beginning of my high school years I was very introverted end of my high school years I was very extroverted beginning of my college years I was very extroverted end of my college years I was very introverted beginning of quarantine I was very introverted end of quarantine slash moving into my influencer era (laughs) I guess more extroverted but I've I've lived with like extreme introverts <clears throat> at least anyways <laughs> um i think like living with my other roommates i was able to observe kind of more so how true introverts operate where like they really need isolation to recharge it's not and it and it takes like a little longer than it would take me to recharge and like the social battery is is few and far between and maybe their social battery is more so replenished by doing something for themselves instead of with other people. Um, and then at my start of my friendship with Kendall, I was thinking she was like super extroverted. She's like very good at um, meeting new people and being social in kind of like, like I feel like I'm good at being social once I'm comfortable with somebody but Kendall's good at being social when she's uncomfortable with somebody so I thought she had like the extroverted thing down like I don't know but then living with her I think I've realized that she is slightly less extroverted than me just because she has less desire to go and make outward connections like taking on the town or like meeting new people where I'm kind of a little more excited or inclined to meet new people. And Kendall, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Once again, we're talking about perceptions. So that is so far how I've perceived um, 
the few encounters here and there, but I don't know. I fall somewhere kind of in between. That's the moral of all this. But honestly, I think these perceptions weren't super off. And if it was off, it was understandably off. But I think I wanted to go a little deeper with the perceptions here, whereas a lot of the responses I got were like, that you're super confident, that you're cool, that you would support France over Argentina, that you are a big Minecrafter. Like some of them weren't as deep as I had hoped where I could like delve into this. So this could be a topic that we could revisit once again, but I appreciate everyone that did send me something through Instagram. I love connecting with y'all. And I think I want to do another episode where I'm like collaborating with you guys on life stuff like you guys tell me things you're going through or ask questions or advice like that feels very um fulfilling and purposeful for me at least and I think it lets me connect with y'all a little more and feeling closer to you guys so take a look on my Instagram story I'll I'm sure I'll post something soon for the next episode and thank you for listening I love you so much literally thank you for being here podcast for me is a true outlet so I'm so grateful you're giving me the opportunity to take the time and listen to me I love you and keep your life unsimplified live laugh love